Hi, everyone. Welcome back to CATF Unmuted. I'm Trent Kugler, CATF's production manager. And I'm Gabby Tokach, the festival's PR manager. But I must say that my favorite title is being Trent's partner in crime for the podcast. In this episode, we're going to be hearing from Victor Lesniewski, who was the playwright of The Fifth Domain this summer. Victor is clearly popular because he just had another new play produced as a part of the Ashland New Play Festival in Oregon. And he actually did another podcast episode with the Pioneer Theater Company for The Fifth Domain. The Fifth Domain was part of their play-by-play new reading series a handful of years ago. We'll make sure that we link to that in the show notes so you can give it a listen as well. And I want to make sure that we send a big hug and all of our appreciation to Deb Weisbacher, who is the play sponsor for The Fifth Domain. All right, so we're keeping the intro short today, so we're going to pass you off to Victor and David Emerson Tony, a CATF trustee and professional actor and director in his own right, who interviewed Victor for us over the summer. Hi, my name is David Emerson Tony, and I am a member of board here at the festival. Today, we are fortunate to have a very prolific writer, Victor Lesniewski. He's very talented and he's one of the, he wrote plays for the 2022 season, this season. Welcome to you, Victor, and thanks so much for being here. And let's say the name of his play is The Fifth Domain. And uh, they, <laughs> it's terrific. It really is terrific. Um, we'll, we'll, uh, we'll talk about that later. First, I'd like if you could tell the, the listeners about yourself, where you're from, maybe your playwriting history, if that's possible. Sure, yeah. Uh, thanks so much for, for having me here. I really appreciate it. And I'm excited to you know get to talk more about anything related to CATF and anything related to the process and the play. It's been a great experience for me, so I'm, I'm so glad to be here. Um, I grew up in the Northeast in Northwest Connecticut. I lived in New York for a long time in New York City. Um, and so I always had to qualify for New Yorkers when I said Connecticut that it wasn't real Connecticut because, you know, they think of the, the exurbs <laughs> of, of New York City and <laughs> Connecticut. Yeah, sure. And I always, you know, it's it, I grew up a lot closer to the Berkshires up near near Western Massachusetts. And yeah. so I always said it, it's buses don't run Connecticut. It's, you know, the, <laughs> nothing, nothing makes it up to where I was yeah. from New York City. The train lines end and, you know, all right. of that. So, um, so I, I grew up about two hours from New York, two hours from Boston. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, always, always loved New York, though, and um, was lucky enough to have a have an upbringing where I got to um, be involved a little bit in the theater and I had some school programs where we went and saw shows at Long Wharf in Connecticut. Um, oh, that's great. And yeah. um, was always just, you know, really, really inspired and um, kind of grew up in this mode of, you know, being good at math and science and, and mm-hmm. being told that I should be an engineer and sort of wanting to do that in certain ways, but also being drawn to, you know, having a creative side and, and doing some theater and in high school, I, you know, built sets and worked backstage and things like that. So when I, uh, when I went away to undergrad at Carnegie Mellon in Pittsburgh, I um, went for engineering, but I was lucky enough to be at a university that um, just happened to be 
very, very good in both engineering and drama. <laughs> I didn't plan, but I ended up being there. And uh, yeah. they have a tight conservatory on the drama side, but they let non-majors, at least at the time they did, this was quite a while ago now, Yeah. but uh, they let non-majors take, um, take classes in the drama school as well, if we were able. So, uh, so that's where I started writing and, um, you know, did some more design classes and things like that, just to have a creative outlet. I always say mm -hmm. I would, you know, I can, I can imagine thinking back to my freshman year and I was, you know, I always, I always say the words I was, I was shut in a windowless lab soldering wires together. Cause that's right. very, right. very vivid. Memory right, of right, that. right. And, um, and, you know, as thrilling as that was in its own way. I was uh, looking for a creative outlet, so um, sure. so I started writing. Yeah, mm -hmm. and I lived in D.C. for a little while. I moved um, moved back to New York City. Lived in New York City for seven years. Did my MFA mm -hmm. there uh, for playwriting, and uh, just kind of started started uh, new school for drama. Okay, and and just started. You know, I decided I was going to take it seriously. <laughs> so right. that was okay. really, yeah. really yeah. what happened. Not that yeah. I believe everybody needs an MFA. But, uh, you know, I was working in a completely unrelated industry and I was just, right. you know, I, I felt like, okay, I need to, if I'm going to really do this, I need to um, acquire, right. acquire some skills. So, <laughs> so yeah, that was my well, journey. And yeah. I've been, I have been writing, writing ever since with varying, well, varying degrees of, um, of success. And, uh, but I'll, I'll take the, the prolific, uh, moniker thank you <laughs> no i think you are and um so can i ask you more uh like about your process in play sure. writing yeah. do you have uh, a, a usual way do you do outlines what do you do yeah i actually i think i'm a i'm think i'm different than a lot of playwrights i know um a lot of playwrights i know write and find things and I do actually do a lot of outlining I think it's the engineering brain in me I really need right. a roadmap for what I'm doing mm -hmm. before before right. I do it and um otherwise I just you know I feel like I I begin to spin my wheels so uh I often write plays that require a lot of research so um so I, I usually have a research phase, depending on depending mm -hmm. on the show. Um, the fifth domain was a little different because I had natural background in that right. world from right. you know, from my education and from other jobs I've worked. But uh, right. but I'm I'm often I'm often writing plays that I, I'm I'm intrigued in really going deep into the subject matter and breaking it down before I sit down and write. So. Right. There's usually a, a pretty heavy research phase, and then um, I'll get to the point where I do I do try to outline, I do try to think about character and figure out, um, mm -hmm. you know, who all the characters who are going to be in the story actually actually are, and how to orchestrate, you know, those folks against each other, so that right. um, you know we're going to create create and maximize our drama and cut away anything mm -hmm. that's not necessary, hopefully. Uh, right. And only only at that point do I really go to go to first draft. So oh it, wow, that's it, terrific. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, um, but you know, but it's still still traditional at that point. You know, theater um, process from first mm -hmm. draft. I really love collaboration. I really love being in the room with actors. 
So, you know, I love table reads. I love workshops. I love bringing different directors and dramaturgs in and just being able to, right. to talk about the ideas in a script, um, get feedback, mm-hmm. utilize as much feedback as possible in, in rewriting and, you know, going into, going into workshops with actors where you can put things on their feet and things like that. So, right. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> thanks. Thank you. There. I appreciate that. Sure, yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, um, I love this play. It was really terrific. And one of the things I like most about it is that the audience thinks they're ahead, but they're (laughs) actually behind. (laughs) Do you know what I mean? I do, Uh, yeah. Yeah, and then, uh, because when you're ahead, you're going, oh, I'm so much smarter than this guy. And this guy's supposed to be smart. So I'm so much smarter than him. Because I know he's messing up. Yeah, but then we—I'm trying not to give a lot of the play away. That's sure, what I'm sure. To do. Okay, just in case somebody listens to this before they see it, because the end is so important. But let me ask you this: Were there signs along the way that I should have been paying attention to that somehow <laughs> I should have known? Sure, sure. Yeah, that's a—it's a very big question that I am currently engaging with in a, in a very serious way, you know, th- in terms of the, the, the thriller aspect of the play, okay. I think it's yeah. always a very thin line um, in terms of what information we're giving to the audience when and how. And, the, you know, this being a world premiere at CATF, I'm really still learning a lot about exactly what the audience picks up when. And so there's certain things that I believe I've planted that might help tip some of the mm-hmm. some of the things that occur at the end right. so that mm-hmm. an audience can kind of catch on a little earlier or make sense of it when they a little bit better when they get to the end. And I think some of those things, you know, also aren't a hundred percent clear yet, right? So so there's mm-hmm. this line between there's certain pieces of information that that I definitely want to withhold. And there's certain pieces of information that even though it's a thriller and I'm withholding things, I want those other pieces of information to be extremely clear so an right. audience can go along for the ride, right? So, right. so it's a delicate balance and I'm, and I'm still trying to find it. And in, in all honesty, I learned a lot from opening weekend and just having audiences right. come out, you know, catching up with people, seeing who caught on to what when, seeing who, you know, left a little bit confused. Um, seeing seeing how people were excited or not excited by what they could or couldn't keep up with, right? Some people don't mind right. not being able to keep up with everything. Some people do mind very much. <laughs> so, right. so there's there's such a such a a, a really delicate balance of yeah. of in in this genre, I think, of trying to figure out exactly. Uh, how much we're giving the audience when and and making sure what right. we're giving the audience really is clear and that the audience really has things to to hang their right. hat on. And and I think we all we all got to opening weekend and and you know both the writing and the directing and the tech, all of those things, we all, you know, we all kind of looked at what we had and started to see audience come out and, you know, it was like, oh, if we had another week, if we had another two weeks, like we can we can modify this, we can make this moment clearer, like this moment's here, but it's not quite, it's, it's, it, we're not really drawing people to it in a way that, that 
they're on top of it and they can comprehend it in the moment as everything else is is flashing by in front of them right so mm-hmm. um I'm, I'm being a little vague because as you said no, I, you I have to be talk vague. about yeah, the you have to be yeah, sure. of, the, of the ending of the script just in case there's folks out there who are still going to see it but um but yeah all of these things are are very much in process and i've learned a lot already about the play and and you know having a having a world premiere that that I hope and I think is is very successful, but also knowing that I can take everything that I've been learning, uh, and and you know hopefully there's a, a second production somewhere and I can say okay, you know here's the moments that I learned weren't quite clear enough in the first production and now I can you know um, help that along and and make it even tighter going forward. So, and I know that one of the things that I felt or I was just thinking just a I want to feel is I should have seen that it was right in front of me. I should have seen that. And and to get that, because even if you didn't guess, even if you had no idea, you feel like you could have, if you've been paying attention. Sure. Yeah. And, and that's one of the things too. I'm also very interested in, you know, folks who get the opportunity to see the play a second time and see, you know, knowing the end, going back and looking at some of the things potentially differently that they saw before and whether right. or not they're able to kind of pick up on on certain things in a different light that um, that I feel like might be there, but but they might not have seen the first time. Right. So so I'm a, I'm also really interested in in that conversation. And I'm also interested in in figuring out um, you know, what we can do from a, a holistic kind of design perspective. Um, yeah. you know, I thought all of our designers on this process were, were fantastic and, and did great work. Mm-hmm. But as I continue to rewrite the script, I'm, I'm also trying to build in like, oh, this scene needs to look and feel a little different than this other scene. Oh yeah, because because we want to tip to the audience a little more that what they're right. seeing might not actually be what they're seeing, right? Right, so right, wanna, right, right. So we want to be able to kind of turn the screws a little bit on some of that, and and yeah, if sure. and if we can do more of it visually as well to give people a little bit of a heads up. So even if they don't say, "Oh, I know exactly what's going on," at least if they can say, "Oh, something here's a little off." then mm-hmm. as they put the puzzle pieces together, they can mm-hmm. go back and say, oh, now I know why that was off, right? So, right. so yeah, it's, it's all in process. <laughs> yeah, sure. But well, one of the things, uh, your dialogue is terrific. Thank you. Because you know when people stop talking. Mm. Do you know what I mean when I say that? Sure, yeah. Just yeah. a play where I can run on and on, or a dialogue, uh-uh. but I mean, just, I mean, I, I'm not talking about skills play, right? I'm talking about, the understanding of humanness. Yeah. And yeah. when when something gets too much for someone to continue, mm-hmm. or they're hiding something, whatever. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. yeah no, I, I constantly prove when I do podcasts um, as a playwright that you can go on and on forever. <laughs> so right. that's just that's just me as a human. But um, but no, thank you for that. I, I think um, especially in you know this this thrillery type of world um, right. what's unsaid is just as important as what's said so so right. creating dialogue where you know even if the character talks a lot where we get to points where you know they shut down for a reason they have an emotional response for a reason 
they decide to stop talking for a reason. Uh, hopefully all of those, those things are, are all useful keys for an audience to say, hey, something's going on here. Something's, you know, something around what they were just saying is very important. So, Is Troy a hero? <laughs> uh, I mean, for me, personally, I, I don't know if I would say he is. I hope that there are audience members for whom he is. And I hope that there's audience members for whom he's not, and that a discussion about that ensues between those audience. Oh, members. sure, it spokes. Uh, uh, yeah, it's it's But, whole, but right. I, you know, but I'm gonna, as the writer, I'm gonna sit on the fence about that as oh, long okay. as people, <laughs> as long as people will let me. You know, I, I I think the the idea of Troy for me is really two sides of the dialectic, and you know, where where do we live in terms of our network security and our government accountability? And, you know, I, whenever I write the, the goal is, is very often, you know, to drive further discussion. Right. I, so even if right. we're talking about issues that are, that are very present in our world, I don't necessarily want to take a side and say, Hey, it should be this way or Hey, it should be that way. You know, I, I, I want to be able to examine things from all different angles and, and, and drive some further further conversation about it. And to bring that back to Troy, I think for yeah. me, the, the interesting thing I hope about Troy is that he has this internal battle within him where he, he wants to do really, really big things. He believes so truly in himself that he's so intelligent and can do really, really big things. You know, if, if he wants to speak up and, and change government, he can do right. it just on his own, right? right? And, and right. Lena looks at, looks at that and says, what are you talking about? Do you live in this world, right? But, um, right. but he has that aspect in him. So that aspect is, is at war with the other side of him that, that says, that's the, the security side and, and this, the side that says, you know, like, well, you know, too much speaking out, too much chaos, then what happens, right? Then we're right. not secure either. So so this right. idea of um, how, you, how you actually find the balance in our security in the digital realm and also how you find a balance in, in government and corporate accountability, right? When right. we're just living our lives every day um, yeah. without, without much um, potential impact on, on the people who control uh, our governments and who control all of these devices that we use yeah, all the time. Sure. Well, one of the things I thought also is that it's uh, a tug of war between human connection and of and the computer age. Yeah, y you know what I'm trying to say. And which do you do, choose? Yeah, you yeah. I do. Yeah, and you know we're more and more we're living in that world, right? As humans, and in in ways that are you know, beyond, beyond our own control, person to person, almost, you know, I, I had uh, someone come up to me and, and, you know, talk about the play a little bit and kind of go tangential from the play and just, you know, knowing, knowing that I've, I've done some work and I have some knowledge in the security field, you know, they were just talking to me about identity theft. And, you know, even though that's not right online, with yeah, the sure, play, sure. they were, they were talking to me about, you know, having their credit card number stolen and all of the hoops they went through to kind of 
you know, recover, recover some semblance of normalcy in their life. And the discussion kind of went very quickly to like, I, I don't have a ton of advice in terms of, in terms of what, what we do nowadays with, with systems that are handed to us. I, I, I think yeah. we're, we're now beyond the, the realm of like you, if you didn't want to deal with the credit cards, you could, you know, maybe 10, 15, 20 years ago, you could have a shoe, shoe box under your mattress with cash. Right, right, yeah, sure. But, but we're beyond that now as, as a right. world that like you, you can't survive anymore unless, you know, you can purchase things online and unless who, who you writes have... checks. I don't know. Right, 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 exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And um, I'm getting getting older but I, I you know but I remember I remember these days but it feels like you know there's a whole generation now coming up that that never had any of this and and doesn't care about it and I think right. you know and I think um just to tie this back into the the themes of the play I think you know when we're talking about where we are as a society and how much time and how much um you know of our privacy we're giving up to be in the digital realm i I think it's important that before we lose that conversation altogether that we continue to to have it in a deeper way because you know folks coming up younger folks coming up behind us um i I won't assume to know your age david but i i feel feel as though you may be at least my age so (laughs) (laughs) i will say younger folks coming up behind us who who may not even know to be having this conversation because all they've known is the giving over of their personal right. information, you know, f- for these other conveniences that we have in life, which, you know, are right. not necessarily bad conveniences, but, um, but again, where's the conversation? Where's, where do we draw the line? How do we protect ourselves going forward? I was thinking um, that some of the handing over is in an effort not to think that something sure. else think you sure and, and not truly understanding the ramifications of not knowing your mother's phone number anymore sure because yeah. you just push a button so if i take that item away from you <laughs> or disconnected from everybody else in the world is that what you're willing to trade for this convenience yeah, it's it's very true. It's very true, and it's um, it's something I'm fascinated by, and so that's you know that's why I'm I'm that's why I'm working it out in in by writing plays. Oh yeah, <laughs> sure. I just I recently a writer. <laughs> I had a GPS lead j- just this morning lead me around a mall outside a mall, telling me I was turn left, turn right, and I go, this is insane. I don't know what's happening. I'm going to call them and let them tell me. It took yeah. me three times around to give up. Yeah. So, yeah. But anyway, that's, I wanted to <laughs> move on to something else, if that's okay. Sure. Um, it's been my experience that writers write about the same subject over and over again, or the same life point of view, or a question they're trying to answer in their own life, or uh, the life of one that was close to them. Um, sure. Do you have such a thing? <laughs> I do. I believe in that as well. Um, you're asking me to give up all of my secrets, David. Is that what's happening right now? <laughs> um, no, I, um, you know, I, I have a lot of plays. I, I think and hope that feel different from each other. I have. Yeah. Oh yeah. I have, yeah. I have period plays. Plays. I have plays that 
take place in the future. I, you know, there oh, yeah, are sure. plays that are very socio-political and set in different parts of the world and, and right. dealing with different conflicts. But, um, yeah, and, and because of that, I I've often have people who know a, a little bit of my work, um, a little bit of the scope of it, you know, often say to me, oh, all of your plays are, are so different. Um, but <laughs> yeah, what I don't tell them that I'm going to tell you now uh, is that I, I do really feel like there is a, a through line in everything. And, and for me, it really has to do with kind of the individual in, in the larger world and in the individual human, individual citizen sort of struggling up against larger systems that that right. control you know or or manipulate the world around them and so this idea of you know how free are we in our society in, in different ways um really kind of comes back a lot in my work where where you know right. people who are who are very idealistic who who really believe that the world should be different but they're bumping up against, you know, hard truths about the way the world is, right? Right. And, you know, and that's, that's broad and, and can be broad. But, um, but I think the large majority of my work, you'll always find that um, the main character is in some ways, very independent, very um, right. self isolating in certain ways, um, right. really, really wants to make points about things that they see in the world that they can't comprehend. And, um, right. and, you know, there's probably a lot of that in me. Well, I can imagine that is very varied that, because it's, it's mythic. Yeah. What you're talking about is mythic. And, yeah. um, and myths, one reason that the same myth is translated different uh, societies is because it does change depending upon the point of view. Yeah. You know, well, that's, but, uh, that's fantastic. I love that analogy because I feel like going back through the history of drama, if we go all the way back to the Greeks, you know, we've replaced now the gods with our machines today, yes. right? With our governments right. and our machines. And so, you know, we're still we're still trying to work through and answer those universal questions across all time and all place that really have to do with, you know. The greater above us, and and how we how we interface with the greater, and how we maintain control over our own lives versus the Speak greater. Right? Power. Yeah, you want somebody at the end of your play to stand up and fight the powers that be. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, anyway, thank you so much. Yeah, I appreciate it so much. And um, now, if you could tell me what your experience was at CATF, uh, how, do, how did it go? What were the steps you took that you appreciated? And whatever else you would say, something that you didn't like, if you did sure. like something. Yeah. Sure. Yeah, no, it, it, it's been a great process. As I, as I mentioned slightly earlier in our, in our talk here, just it being the world premiere of the play and you know, I, I've had some good workshops of the play, um, but only really seen the play in reading form, if you will. You know, it's right. a little workshopping of actors on their feet, but but mm -hmm. really, it's it's a script that uh, requires some some visual help with the storytelling. Um, you know, there's mm -hmm. there's projections and things scripted in. Right. Right. Um, so. So to really have never experienced the play in, in that format before, um, it, 
it was it was such an interesting process that you know I I believe every play is different and every production process is different. Yeah, but, yeah, sure. But most of my work, I would say, you know, if you do a lot of development and you get a few solid readings and you hear the actors saying the words, you have a sense of how everything works and how everything flows. And with this play, I even though I had great workshop experiences, I didn't have that a hundred percent just because mm -hmm. of the visual element of the play. So right. So really. Um, really this process was was so important for me in in terms of you know discovering some of the scenes that are more visual or some of the things we were talking about where you know we want to tip things a little bit for the audience in some visual manners right. really discovering you know what what of that that we were trying and experimenting with was working and what wasn't and 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 how i in my rewriting in the script can really um you know, build in some more clarity around that for for folks going forward. So, right. for example, in the in the play, there is mm -hmm. uh, one scene in the middle of the play where it's it's basically hackers hacking, right? And right. Um, and there's there's no dialogue in the scene. There's an instant message exchange between three of the characters happening all at right. one time. Um, mm -hmm. The you know the way we came to it in this particular production is. Is it all happens very fast and it's all kind of very overwhelming for the senses and um right. that was a, that was a inspired choice but i think what i learned was that you know never having dealt with that before there's a lot now that i want to touch upon on that scene because right. and, and i say never having dealt with it before because in previous workshops in reading form what would happen is we would get to that scene and the actors would just read the instant messages out loud, right? Mm -hmm. So as a as an audience or even as a writer, you know, hearing hearing the work and trying to learn about the work, I'm experiencing that scene in a totally different way from what that right. scene is going to look and feel like when it's when the play is finally up and in, in, in production. Mm -hmm. So um, so you know that that's just an example of like all of a sudden we had it up and we were looking at it and and there it was and we were trying different things and and there's certain moments in that scene that i i really want to draw an audience's eye to that i think we we weren't quite accomplishing yet and and you know that's not just design that's that's me too writing wise right it's it's the the collaborative effort but um but that's an example for me of like why this process was so great and why it was so beneficial because because now I'm now I'm like oh now I have all of this all of these ideas and all of this um, you know work additional work that I can do uh, on the play because of course with plays it's it doesn't it doesn't really end I mean maybe you know if you're Tony Kushner eventually it ends but but um, right. you know it it's it, there's it's always it's always evolving through through productions so um, so I'm I'm thrilled and excited by that and. Um, and just to sort of answer your initial question a little bit further beyond okay, go ahead. Point, um, you know, I, I'll say rehearsal process was fantastic. All the actors we had in for our process were were fantastic. I was just so pleased it because of the rep, I think there's, you know, and, and anybody who's who's worked at CATF can can maybe verify this or disagree with me, but um, but I think because of the rep, it feels um, like you don't have very much time. Like um, yeah, your yeah. actors are going back and forth between different shows. You're not rehearsing right. every single day. Um, so, so you know, just 
thrilled with the work that all that our whole cast did coming in ultra ultra prepared you know times when we had worked scenes for you know uh, a few hours and and thinking oh gosh like I want to be on our feet like working that scene that scene like another day but you know they would they would take the notes and go away and then when we would touch it again three four days later it would it would already have you know Im improved so much more and, and steps forward so um so they were just you know working yeah. so incredibly hard outside of the room um which is just you know you're just as an artist you're just so grateful for the time and energy and talent that people people bring into the room and, and that they want to right. be committed um just as much as you are even though it's it's something you wrote so um so yeah it's it was um a, a great experience through through rehearsal process well i i would say that writing a play a play is a heroic act um but it's a solitary heroic act you don't know if your act makes any difference until you get amongst other heroes yeah we're willing to know because and uh, from an acting standpoint you i'm i'm, I'm not going to be back to this until the day after tomorrow i better do everything i can do right now yeah. you know and and the, I, I think the playwright and everybody else can see that that's what they're doing so it, it forces everybody to be better yeah. um uh, one last thing yeah is his name troy because city <laughs> yeah there's a little bit of play on words there i think yeah not that that in and of itself is you know something that should necessarily lead audiences to oh, no to an no. end but i um but i love i love a name that has some meaning even if for yeah, characters sure. even even if it's buried you know um right and even if it's something that you know nobody really recognizes but if you were to look up the name maybe it has some meaning yeah sure, um, sure i've written other plays where names have you know very specific meanings but more so to me but that just helps me in to the character but in, in this yeah. case yeah you know there's um there's this idea of troy and trojan and the warrior right. hero and and yeah. the trojan horse and what that means right. from a computer virus standpoint as well right so yeah. um so yeah i'll i'll leave that a little open for people oh, to, yeah, um, sure. oh, yeah, to, sure. uh, to go down the rabbit hole if if they want to with oh um, yeah sure, with sure. That. sure. Yeah. victor i want to thank you so much for doing this uh victor Wisniewski's play is the fifth domain thank you for listening and thank you once again victor thank you thank you so much I know we mentioned this in one of the whitelisted episodes, but if you haven't already checked out the whitelisted series, you should put those in your queue next since that show repped with The Fifth Domain. We also have an episode featuring an interview with two of the actors from The Fifth Domain, so you can check that out if you haven't already listened, or download another one of the episodes from our 2022 season recap. And as always, I want to give my shout out to the West Virginia Humanities Council for making this podcast possible. The last time Trent and I recorded, I listed some of their staff members, so today I would like to acknowledge some of their board members. Megan, George, Margaret, Kelly, Leslie, Patrick, Robert, Lori, and Rosemary, thank you so much for all of the work that you are doing for the state. 
You can get your 2023 Think Ahead passes now to be the first to select your performances for our upcoming season. You can do that at catf.org slash thinkahead. And while you're there, explore the rest of our website. catf.org. Follow us on Facebook. At catf at su. Or connect with us on YouTube and Instagram. And that is at Think Theater. And remember, at CATF, we do theater with an E-R. And if you were able to, please rate the podcast five stars. I know we've said it before, but it really does help other theater lovers like yourself find the festival and the podcast. Thanks again for listening. And remember, if it's not a new play, it's not CATF. CATF.